Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Society of Publication Designers' Who the F Did That podcast. This episode is part one of our two-part COVID series, Who the F Did That During COVID-19. I am your host, Natalie Gailuka. Today, we are joined with two production COVID experts, Caroline Yee and Linda DeZorzi, who have both been producing both large and small-scale photo and video shoots during the pandemic. One thing to note, we recorded this episode on December 14th, and as we know, the pandemic numbers are ever-changing. Please make sure to double-check state and local laws, as well as current CDC guidelines, as details may have changed between December and whenever you are listening. ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's start with telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves and how you got into the COVID compliance space. Linda, I'll let you start. Oh, thank you so much, Natalie, for having me. Um, Hello out there. Um, I am Linda DeZorzi. I am a producer, production supervisor, jack of all trades, master of none. And uh, that's not true. But when COVID hit, I, like many of us, went on lockdown, uh, took about a month before I came out of my house and did not work for a very long time. And about a month after we got hit by the pandemic, I went down the rabbit hole of really educating myself on how do we return to work safely. Um, I do everything from uh, print to um, live action jobs and really started going down, educating myself about the virus and about new protocols and coming up with my own methods. Um, And eventually I was approached by PureSets and their COVID mitigation company. And they had seen how I was being active and helping to get business back on the ground as we were reopening. And I've I've been working with them, um, with PureSets, um, helping productions big and small, come back into the industry and back online um, with everything from professional decon, COVID officers, supplying PPE, facilitating and helping with their testing, as well as I've been producing some of my own projects on the side. So that's, uh, that's a little about me. Thank you, Linda, and welcome. Caroline, now tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Um, I am a producer based in New York, and I've worked uh, for the past decade in-house and freelancing. I was most recently the director of creative operations at Colhan, and I actually departed in fall of 2019, started freelancing on my own, and six months into that, um, the shutdown happened. It was an interesting and fun challenge into freelancing as a producer. Um, Early into shutdown, I actually started learning more about what COVID-19 was, and I was very interested in seeing how we could come back. I took some education courses like the um, Johns Hopkins Coursera course, uh, contact tracing, as well as the health education services, uh, COVID-19 compliance officer. They were super helpful in educating about COVID-19 and understanding how it works, isolation, quarantining, and how it's super contagious as well as how that affects 
our sets. And so I've been fortunate to have been working during this pandemic and um, picked up some tips along the way that we're going to share with you guys. And um, yeah, there's a lot to cover on um, COVID safety. So I'm really excited to talk about it here. Understatement of the century there. There is a lot. (laughs) And I think one of the biggest challenges with COVID safety has to do with the cost it adds to the budget. So let's start there. What are some of the costs associated with COVID compliance? Yeah, definitely. Just like any other project start, you have to consider what the budget is. So that's not any different, but there are um, certain additions such as testing, having a COVID-19 compliance officer, having PPE provided. Like these are all items that should be considered in the budget are the responsibility of the client to cover for the safety of everyone on set. And then Caroline, I mean, 100% true. I agree with you completely. But then the other things to consider is that COVID really lays into every aspect of the job. So it lays into food. We can no longer have buffet. Everything has to be individually served. Um, It lays into, are you on a location where um, you might be out in the wilds of New York doing a beauty job on the street? And how do you secure the perimeter for safety of people to not intermingle with the public? Or are you shooting at a beautiful studio? So, which goes back to, what is the budget and how much does it cost? But COVID really plays a part in in all of this. And then on top of that, um, you have these needs, which then you start thinking, okay, I need more people, but it's COVID. So you want to keep it as small as possible. Um, And sometimes it feels like you're running into a wall. You just need a little bit of time. And that's the most precious thing. um, Yes, time is money. Yeah, time is money. And with the time, we can really plan out successful shoots. Um, But without it, it it can be very challenging and extremely daunting for anyone who hasn't been out working in the day and age of COVID because it's a new beast. Yes, definitely. And when we say time, it's the time that it takes to prepare, to source everything that you need that is new the time that it takes for shipping these days, as you know, um, shipping times have been delayed. The time that you have on set because you have more people, more cleaning, the amounts of shots that you can get during the day. Um, COVID exhaustion, PPE exhaustion, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> Definitely is. So those are, those are all super important factors that go into the cost, <laughs> not just money. Speaking of time, there's also the time you need in advance of the shoot, especially if you're going to do any COVID testing or, you know, you need the turnaround time for those tests. So what can you tell us about testing requirements and the time you needed for that? Well, uh, that's the, that's the really hardest part I think right now that we're all hitting. Um, So each state will have its own mandates and um, Los Angeles Department, uh, Los Angeles County Department of Health, um, the Appendix J. It's an eight-page checkoff list of mandates. Um, and then New York State has its own mandates. So New York, for example, any unmasked talent or anyone who touches 
unmasked talent or comes within six feet of unmasked talent must be tested. That's the law. Now it doesn't go into what precedent the industry standards have been laid out for film, television, commercials, where now they're saying it should be, depending on if your commercials or TV film, uh, the baseline is always everyone should be a negative uh, PCR test. The RT-PCR, which is the deep nasal pharyngeal swab, uh, that is a lab-based test that is molecular, and it typically takes 24 to 48 hour turnaround when privately, um, when you privately hire a lab. Uh, going to a CityMD could take, depending on the surge in your area, five to seven days. And then the problem comes into if you're doing some sort of editorial or print job, may not necessarily be in the budget. So how do you then handle making sure that all of the people coming into this enclosed environment are COVID free um, as the additional layer. And it's, it can be challenging. It's definitely challenging. And then it's the knowledge because there's so many tests out there of knowing the difference between molecular testing versus antigen testing. And I think everyone's pretty up to speed at this point that Antibody testing is just antidotal. Yep, you had it, but no one is saying that you can't get it again. It's a rare, it's a slighter possibility, I would say, a slighter possibility, but the chance is still out there. You, until we've all been vaccinated, we have to all err on the CDC side of, of precaution and still mask up. I mean, Caroline, you, you, your jobs, I know that you've come across it where you don't always have it in your budget to do everyone testing, or you'll see budgets that comes to you that doesn't always have everyone being tested. Right. And there are different ways to go around this. It just sort of depends on how you want to handle it. Right. So you can go out and do these tests. You can ask everyone who is going to be on set to get their own tests on their own time and get multiple get them one day before the shoot. Well, depends on the turnaround of getting the test results. And um, there's also on-site testing, um, which in all of these cases, it's just very important for you to take on the responsibility of quarantining yourself. If you are waiting for results, or even if you're on-site and you're getting your test, you need to be able to isolate yourself, waiting for those results and being responsible about it. But ultimately it is, really difficult to pay for everyone to get a test. You're right. No, it is. I just got a $10,000 bill for the job that I, I was just producing for testing of 30 people. So it is expensive. I think we would both agree that the gold standard in testing is the RT-PCR, the deep nasal pharyngeal swab, um, the one that takes, uh, it's molecular, it's lab-based. It could take you five to six days to get those results back. And I think that that is the gold standard that people are aiming for to get their crews tested. It just then comes to time and turnaround. And I will say, um, New York City is very lucky. We have some really great resources, like um, an example would be 
outside of the fact that everyone can get tested for free in New York, that um, New York Health and Hospitals and Gotham Medical has over 200 locations in all five boroughs, open seven days a week doing testing. And if your budget doesn't actually cover testing, it's a way to then following the gold standards of if you can ask your crew to go get a test within the 72 hours prior to starting work, there are resources to us that can help in, in, in ensuring that everyone is COVID-free. So if the crew are getting tested once or twice before the actual shoot day, do they get a day rate for their time? Meaning, will they get paid for the day or part of the day that they have to go to the testing facility? Best case, if you do have everyone in your crew getting tested, you compensate them for the test or you give them a budget limit of what you will compensate up to. So I think that part is like super important to get clear. I think just from the start of agreeing to any job is laying out what you expect from that crew member, from that person who will be on set, what you expect from them, but then what they can expect from you. So if you are expecting them to go get tested, you need to let them know if and what the budget is, how much time they have, um, honestly, at this point, it is pretty searchable to find a site that is probably will work better for you and your schedule anyway. And if you can compensate that person for their time, because yeah, if you have to wait in line, you're losing a day of work or you're outside in the location, you know, like we said, time is money. So are you going to compensate them? Make that clear in the beginning. And that will just create a happier crew. Honestly, just full transparency, let them know if you're trying to get away with not paying for that. It's not best practices. Well, but, and then the other thing to that is, is that at the time of hiring, you say a condition of employment is getting tested. So with that, you outline, hopefully you've had the time that you know um, when you need them to be tested and you outline that to them. If you're running a testing event, you tell them that my test, our testing event is going to be on this day. It gives the crew member the opportunity to turn around when you say, I need you on Wednesday to be at X place at X time and you're not paying me, but you're only going to pay me on the shoot day to get test uh, for the testing and them to turn around and say, it's not financially um, worth it for me. And that, right, I think that's part of the budget. If you can't, if you can't adhere to the best practice, and in the end, the best practice is testing, testing, testing. But if you can't adhere to giving some some sort of fiscal compensation for the crew, it is good to, at the time of hiring, let them know so that they have the choice and that they don't feel like they're backed into a corner and they can say, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I'm going to pass on this project. Okay. So what if I've been tested for another job within the time frame? Can I share those test results to save time and money? not having to get retested? It depends on when it was, but yes, you can absolutely, if you have those records of testing negative, um, and this is just confidential between you and the producer, you show them the results. If that applies during the time frame that they need to have a negative result, then yes, you can definitely, you can use the same result. Now, what happens if my test results come back positive? I mean, maybe I'm asymptomatic or not, but now I have a positive test and I obviously can't go to work. Am I still compensated? I just want to mention that if you show up on set, you have agreed upon the test and the day comes and you have tested positive, the producer cannot discriminate against you. They cannot 
not hire you for that day because that is something that was agreed upon prior to your result. Exactly. And this should be considered again in the budget. And I mean, obviously we're not all trying to double up and create a budget for twice the crew in case one falls out, you have, uh, you know, one replacement, you have to consider the roles that are being played here. Um, but the person that cannot be on set who, if it is just because their tests turned out positive, um, they should still expect full compensation for the day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a very valid point, right? Because part of this is the one, you have the HIPAA compliance, right? So we have to keep all medical information um, private. And the second part to this is discrimination. So you can let someone know that the terms of your employment, that you will be mandated to take a test. But if that person turns, pops a positive, or if that person gets a phone call five minutes before call time and their significant other says, I just got my test results back and I'm positive. That person, according to CDC, state law and best practices and any human that I'm hoping working in this industry would agree, has to go home for the safety of everyone else. But they still have to get paid for that time um, to no fault of their own. And we just want to make this clear because obviously we don't want anyone to be hiding their results. We don't want anyone to feel ashamed or feel like they won't be able to work again because of having a positive result. That is absolutely the opposite. We want to prove and enforce that safety is the most important thing and having good health is the most important thing. So this should definitely not disqualify anyone from having work again. It's just that day. And it's obviously not personal. Um, just removing that person from the set is the best solution for everyone else. It's not always the easiest. It's not always the easiest. Like what if it's your director, you know, and then the good news is, is that we now have so much technology at our hands, right? You can, um, well, if it's your photographer, it's definitely going to be more challenging. But if you're doing live action, for example, you can zoom in. I mean, I did a job the other day, live action with my director who was in Italy. So there are technically technical solutions yes. that definitely can come into play. Um, and I think that there's something to be said about some clients and production companies who are concerned that people are going to use this to their advantage, the, that they're not going to tell you if they've already um, tested positive for COVID. And I don't think that there's a lot of crew out there who are going to try to scam, you know, that they already have a positive test and then scam. Everyone just, if they have it, they want it to be over and then get back to life as normal. I don't think they want to pass this on to anyone. But I know that that was a concern. I was hearing it from different production companies and clients. And I, I think that there's a lot of fears when it comes to a higher sticker price to okay. things. Okay. So now you've had everyone tested. Everyone's coming to set as negative and it's the shoot day. Talk me through what happens on set. I mean, a year ago, people would stroll in with their coffee in one hand, their gear in the other. Everyone's hugging and greeting each other. Call times were all clumped together. Everyone's going in, gathering at the catering table. But now arrival's very different. 
So assuming you have the budget for an IPC or a COVID compliance officer on set, like what is their role? So the COVID-19 compliance officer should actually be there before everyone else is on set. And actually before everyone is on set, there should be a game plan on how you are going to be executing any sanitation process and creating enough distance when you're on set. So once all that plan has been discussed prior to the shoot, the first person on set would be the COVID compliance officer. Um, They would sanitize all the surfaces, mark anything as needed, and set the stage for everyone in this pre-call time to ensure that once crew comes in, hopefully at a staggered call time, that they're entering a clean environment. I mean, and, and Caroline, because you're doing some of the projects that you're doing have smaller footprints, right? We're talking 10 to 20 people. Um, a lot of times, like this COVID officer is you. You are the producer and the COVID person. You are ensuring that by state guidelines, everyone has done a health screener, uh, that you've checked that no one's exuding the symptoms and maybe it is an assistant who's doing cleaning of high touch points, but you've come up with this plan. And then for me, working with Pure Sets, our company is this, this team. And, and I think that what people need to think about it is we have a brand new department and that department, just like an AD, um, okay, I'm talking film, but that department just like any other department um, in scouting or planning, whether it's the designer, the production designer, or your photographer, or your shooter, whomever it is, comes together in the beginning elements, talks about what they need to do to get the job done. It goes through approvals, which means budgets, um, and comes up with this game plan on the day of how it's gonna, gonna roll out. So for me, Um, I work very closely with whatever shoot is. We help come up with a plan. What's your day like? How many people? How much, how large is your space? Um, Come help them if they don't already have a testing protocol, work with them. Um, I've been very lucky that a lot of the projects that come to us are able to bring in professional decontamination. So um, different clients um, have protocols that, their celebrities or any of their talent don't walk into a space before it has been professionally decontaminated by, uh, we hire a third party that will use electrostatic spray or UVC light and kill all bacteria in the environment. Um, And then on the day, our, our COVID officer is there to be the eyes and the ears to go over those health screeners, to temperature check everyone, to manage the hands-on people cleaning high touch points, um, providing PPE to everyone walking in, ensuring that people are wearing PPE properly, and then playing a little bit of principal um, and, and school teacher of don't touch your face, go wash your hands, who needs hand sanitizer? Okay, you. You, you too, you move that couch, now stop talking, step apart. Um, and really like getting everyone in the mindset um, that the reminder, all of these rules together need to be adhered to um, and stopping bad practices so that we can continue to work. And then here's the next part to the department that no one likes to talk about. 
in the event that someone does turn positive post facto, they're helping with the contact tracing per OSHA of whom on this set, if I have crew member X and they have five days later tested positive and somehow it comes back and it traces back that they were positive at the time of being on set, whom have they come into contact with that we now need to notify to let them know that they now need to follow CDC guidelines in quarantining, which depending on the state, adheres to different quarantine um, protocols. Very interesting. Uh, an example of this, right? If um, you find out that someone in the state of New York, Montana, or California was on your set and they pop a positive. So they get pulled from the set. You go through, were they in six foot distance of anyone for longer than 15 cumulative minutes? Um, and the answer is yes, there's one person. Let's just say it's one person. Well, in Montana, California, and New York, they adhere to CDC best practices, 14-day quarantine. But some states have said that 10 days is okay. Like, if you can do the CDC 14 days, do that. But we're going to allow you to do 10 days. Um, I would still, and I believe Caroline is going to back me on this, Best practice, if the CDC says 14 days, quarantine for 14 days to make sure you don't have this virus. 100%. That's the easiest thing you can do. Very doable. If you can have a COVID compliance officer on set, obviously that would make your onset life a little easier because it's not just having a PA on set who is an extra set of hands. This is someone whose eyes and ears are dedicated to looking out for everyone's safety, as well as minimizing how many people need to be around touching and cleaning if everyone's cleaning after themselves. It's just easier to have one person who is aware of all this, hands over the PPE in the beginning, is um, aware of where the cleaning supplies are, cleaning each of those surfaces, the doors, the, the catering table, any high touch point areas and high traffic areas. Um, Obviously you do not want to have more people on set than you need to. So if you do have a larger crew, it's worth having that extra set of eyes and hands to be available for sanitizing. Oh, but the other thing is that when you're on a job and if it is like, let's say it's 10 people, it's much easier for one person to keep eyes on 10 people and to either A, have another role, or to keep eyes on 10 people and be assisting in cleaning general high-touch areas. Whereas if you've got a crew of 30 people to 50, 100, it, it's no longer practical that the, those that the crew complete is really being um, monitored um, and really having those extra set of eyes. For us at PeerSets, we have tapped into nurses, medics, people who have been on other film or still sets who understand the aspects of filming, but also have medical training. So they're also looking for other symptoms that on a larger scale that, that people may not be always looking for. 
right now, I feel like I'm confused with words, which is a symptom. Confusion is a symptom of COVID. No. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> no, but, but they do. So like that's, you know, we, the company felt and, and that having somebody who has medical training uh, definitely helps overall and they understand the HIPAA compliance. I will say that there are a lot of people and Caroline, from you and I talking, like, I know you've got this down. You have gone down the education, the science, the information, what's going on on the state rabbit hole. And I have no doubt that you lay down the law and you are keeping your set safe. So I think that that's also something to really consider when productions are moving forward is I think producers need to have a dialogue with their COVID team and make sure that it's not just a PA who says like, oh, I know. Um, and oh, you're yeah. really getting somebody who oh, understands yes. how it really, it is, it's on every level in every department um, and how that'll affect your shoot. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, this all depends on the size of your shoot and the budget of your shoot, the literal size of the crew, but size of the location as well. So yeah. One thing you both mentioned is that as people check into the shoot, they get new sterile PPE. If I'm producing a shoot, where can I buy PPE for the crew and other COVID specific items for my kit? I mean, cleaning supplies, hand sanitizer, all of that stuff. Some products are still a hot ticket item and hard to find, especially in larger quantities. If you're using pure sets, uh, we do offer PPE. Um, and what I will say is, is that we have FDA approved three-ply and KN95s. And you can go down the rabbit hole. You can look to Amazon, although, um, or other online uh, um, vendors. Um, although shipping is difficult to guarantee it'll happen in your area. I will say that all of our expendable vendors, like the Coyotes on both coasts, Line 204 in, in LA, not as high-end as Coyote, but still a great vendor. Um, Wits End in New York, that our expendable house vendors um, do have PPE these days. So you can go to them and you can have open dialogue conversations about what do they have, what is their price point. And I would highly suggest um, when you're having these conversations to ask is the PPE FDA approved? Um, and the truth is certain PPE we will have shortages of. Purell one ounce jars, for example, right? They've been a little hard to come by at different times. So there's other brands if that's something that you're specifically looking for. Um, but yeah, you can, there's, there's multiple ways to, to find some PPE. Luckily now, I think it's a lot easier to get PPE than it was six months ago. So I think it's a little easier for you to get your own PPE from even your bodega, from, you know, your drugstores. Um, you can go online, uh, but like Linda mentioned, you know, shipping times and uh, if there are surging cases, the supply can go down. But Boxed has some, I like to get my face shields from Third Kindness over in Brooklyn. Um, you can go to New Egg. There are... A lot Wait, of what's new, what's new egg? Oh, new egg. It's a, it's actually a site for a lot of tech supplies. And I actually got a lot of my masks and gloves um, from new egg. 
in the summer when we were in the peak of shutting down and scrambling for supplies. Um, but they're mostly computer supplies. They just like were one of the first that I was able to find masks with. No, I love that because like when we first shut down, one of the places that I couldn't find a mask to save my life and I had to, what do I do for my, you know, elderly parents? I need to send them a mask. And I had found Brooklyn textiles, which the great thing in the beginning, they shut down and they kept all of their stitchers working by making masks at home and then the stitchers sending them out. So I thought that that was like really great. So I started to use them. And as PPE became available again, their industry actually expanded. So now they have actual three-ply surgical, um, KN95s. They also have Lysol wipes and this and that. So it's been one of my, recently I sent a box of KN95s to my parents and I'm like, mom, you're not allowed to go to Costco, but you may go during senior hours to the stop and shop, <laughs> but you got to wear a mask. And now I, I, I no longer let her wear the cloth mask. I want her to wear uh, a higher, higher yeah. mask. Disposable. Um, disposable just for safety. Because the other thing is mm-hmm. my mother is now like my child, right? And we all went into this craze and we were all wearing like homemade masks and we were mm-hmm. making them themse- ourselves. But who is washing their mask every single day? Like every time you take it off, you got to wash that, which all goes into the sanitation. And a lot of people are like, I got three, I rotate. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, don't." that's why I don't let them, we won't let them on set. Like we want a clean mask. If you want to put something else on top of it, go. But let's make sure that you you are washing this properly every time you take it off to ensure proper sanitation and that you're not breathing in the COVID. Let's not breathe in the Rona, people. Totally. That's why even if you come on set with a mask, which you should 100% come just on set with your own mask, 100%. you will be provided a mask, a fresh mask on set, which you can either replace um, in the privacy of the bathroom or just staying away from people, swap out your mask or layer your mask. But you should be putting on a new mask when you're on set for this new environment. Um, well, and to that, a really good point. You should also be changing out your mask. Every time you put yes. on your mask or take off your mask, you should be using sanitized hands before you touch that face, right? You get close to it. Those hands are sanitized or they're washed. And if you're going to take off a mask for lunch, like you either put a fresh one on after eating um, or if you're going to put that other one on. And depending on your workflow, you could sweat through that mask. If you're shooting outside at early morning hours in New York, you're going to sweat and have perspiration in your mask because it's cold out. So you build up inside your mask. It's gross. It's gross, people. We'll change it out. Let's get let's get you a fresh one. Like let's keep you fresh because no one wants to smell that inside their mask. It's a very good point. Like when you are buying enough uh, PP for everyone on set, it should definitely be at least three of that item per crew member, so that way they can swap it out when they're on set. I also think it's really smart to provide smaller hand sanitizers. Like you mentioned, you know those one ounce 
Purell's are gone. <laughs> Those are sold out forever. But you know, you don't have to get the brand Purell as long as your alcohol content is 70% or higher in your hand sanitizer. I recommend getting those one to small ounce bottles. So each person has them individually in their pockets and you don't have to like congregate at this gallon jug by the door. Yes, have larger containers. You can refill them if you need to or just have it handy on set. But I always think that having your own on your persons to access whenever you want uh, should be available. Exactly. And then look, wherever you have food set up, great. Have a dispenser, maybe have a portable sink because even if you're at a studio, you may not, crew may forget and not go to the bathroom to wash their hands before having lunch. So let's make sure that there's some big sign and a big dispenser saying, sanitize your hands before you take your food oh, yes. to go sit in your sanitized seat. This is this is part of the new. We were really dirty before people. We were really dirty, dirty. Gosh, that two second rule, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it anymore. Don't <laughs> eat off the table after two, five seconds. Nope, that rule is now negative zero. Like negative zero. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, you should just, but wash your hands is the best thing to do. Wash your hands. First and foremost, if you have access to a sink, water, hopefully it's warm, and soap, wash your hands thoroughly. Then if you can't, hand sanitizer is great, but also try to use your um, sinks that you have. It's also really great if restrooms could provide paper towels or you provide paper towels instead of having right. those air blown hand dryers. So I like to make sure that the studio restroom or whatever location you're going to, you provide paper towels. Yes, yes, this COVID pandemic is causing more waste. However, it is for the safety. And honestly, if you can throw away COVID in the trash can for your health right now, that is the best thing we can all do. Exactly. Those air blowers in the bathroom, it is an airborne disease, <laughs> which means it's spread by aerosols. And when you flush a toilet, there are aerosols that go up in the air when you blow dry your hands. And I cannot stress enough. The 20 seconds, and I will say this, Caroline, as a little caveat, if you don't have warm water, cold water and 20 seconds with soap will still do. Oh, any water will do. I'm just saying warm because it's winter right now. <laughs> I agree. I 100% agree. <laughs> if you can. I, it's surprising that, it, you water. know, the 20 seconds of getting your palms, getting between your fingers, getting the tops of your hands, getting turning your hands inside of each other, going for the nail beds, going for your yep. thumb, getting to your wrist. And then once that's all done and you've done your 20 seconds, then rinse, grab the paper towel, dry your hands. That's right. I'm killing the planet right now. Then shut off the sink faucet. Use that paper towel to shut off the sink faucet. And if you don't have soap and water, you're supposed to be using hand sanitizer the exact same way. We forget, but it, it is, you're supposed to use hand sanitizer for 20 seconds rubbing in all crevices every time you touch something that is not directly in your possession. You touch your mask, you adjust it, sanitize your hands. You grab uh, your, your money out of, a, out of your wallet, you sanitize your hands. Um, you put your computer down and you sit down at a desk or was that desk sanitized? Just sanitize your hands. That's whole new world. Yes. We're going back to basics. How to wash your hands. Very, very important. As I'm listening to you guys talk about all of these things, the sanitizer, the PPE, 
adding an extra sink or a sanitation station, all of these things, I just keep seeing dollar signs. So about how much in cost should a producer expect to put towards compliance? Is there a dollar amount or a percentage of the budget that budgets are going up in order to provide all of these safety measures, including testing, PPE, sanitation, like all that stuff? I mean, it can be 30% of the budget. In the end, the golden standard, right, the, the golden rules of washing hands, have fresh PPE, individually boxed um, food and the separate, all, all of it together. Um, it may not be in your budget. So an example might be your budget may not in the end include the cost of testing to run a testing event and to pay for the person. But it is about 30% higher um, all of these additionals that you need to have a safe work environment for your crew and your artists. Unfortunately, the costs do increase because of all of these extra precautions during this pandemic. But I also think that there are some things you can do or use, like I like to use sandbags on set. That's something that most sets already have. You can use a sandbag to open a door and keep the door open so that way you don't have to touch the door handle. And that sort of is a solution for safety and repurposing something you have on set. Um, another way you can be safe on set but not spending too much money while being eco-conscious is having water bottles on set. So instead of getting a bunch of empty Poland spring bottles all over that someone's going to accidentally pick up and drink someone else's, oops, I'm sorry, I didn't sharpie my name on there. If you ask everyone to bring their own water bottles and you have one water cooler um, that you have one COVID compliance officer wiping down the spout, the handle of the water cooler, um, you can save somewhat on having to purchase individual bottles, if that is something that you're able to do and you're not constantly on the go. But either way, having water bottles is a really great way to be able to identify um, what is yours. Catering is different now too, right? Because catering, you need to have individual boxes for every single person. You have to be extra cautious of people's allergies and dietary restrictions. Once you open that box, that is your box. If you are a vegetarian and you actually picked up the burger you just contaminated a box and that is like the cost of one. Right now we don't have the luxury of being able to do a buffet style and you kind of build your own meal and you go back for seconds and whatnot. You have to consider who you have on set, labeling each of those, being aware of what all everyone can have. You budget a couple of extra meals, right? So you put in your back pocket, like, okay, well, I've got a vegan, so I'm going to have definitely a couple of vegan options because someone's going to say like, ooh, I wanted the squash pilaf. But at the same time, what I've also sort of found, because everything's individually packed and we don't have the opportunity to take off our masks, we're not having um, a cappuccino bar anymore. Um, and so coffee. There's, yeah, there's coffee, but it, there's some savings, right? Like you can, and I wouldn't say it's savings, but it's almost like it's a, it's a wash, right? There's more thought and time that's coming in from production, but those dollar allotments have not gone exponentially through the roof. Um, it's the same as our gear. Like we're, produ producers are pretty lucky, Um the few companies that have a sanitation fee to it, those dollars are really small. What, what's really the most taxing is, is time.
um, in terms of, of, of how the costs have gone up. At least that's been my experience um, with food. Uh, it doesn't really cost you more, but now it's not as many vendors are doing a high-end boxed lunch or doing the, the proper uh, options for people. So those vendors are harder to come by in, uh, it, it, with the demand that's out there. There are additional costs that are not necessarily literally the PPE for everyone on set and COVID testing, but other things to consider like getting more tables and more chairs space. to create more space to separate everyone so that we can everyone can take their masks off and eat lunch with you know some comfort. Um, having that extra Digitech screen, you want to have an extra monitor so people aren't congregating around there. So there are some studios that will still charge you like this is the use of a studio. Um, you might be able to negotiate another room just to say that this is just to create more space because of the pandemic. Uh, but you definitely do need to consider more square footage per person than you would have before. I think, yes. And I think... The other thing is we have to look at that some states have an occupancy max, right? So 25% of indoor occupancy is sort of the, the guideline, New York and California. So that's now become the industry standard. I think it's great. Um, however, um, there are some plus and bonuses, uh, plus and minuses rather. Um, example. Pier 59 in New York is great. It's clean. They have a really good protocol for how you get into their studio. Um, it looks beautiful. Your celebrity talent are going to love it. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And we know this. Whereas there are some other studios slash converted stages, which are really warehouses that are now calling themselves a studio that are not going to give to your high-end VIP model talent, whomever, those same luxuries. So you're going to pay for it on the back end of now. In the past, you might have rented furniture, but that furniture is soft surfaces. So how do you guarantee that it's been decontaminated? Or you would have just gone to Ikea and bought like a whole white rug, white chair, white this. It's a pandemic, not as easy to literally go and buy the accoutrement for a celebrity um, holding room, a glam room. Um, so there's, it, it's a yin and yang balances of, who are you shooting and where do you want to spend the money? Because yeah, you will get hit by some, <laughs> by some places that you have a minimum equipment fee. We don't like this truth. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, but also, especially right now um, with all of the holidays having gone on and cases continuing to rise, it is not a, it is, we are not an essential business. We are selling product. We are selling images and ideas. And I love the art form, but right now, why can't we push something and find alternative ways with the numbers where they are today? With that being said, I want people to thrive. I want people to be able to continue to, to have work, to have creative outlets, and I want it to be a safe environment. 
Um, so happy to talk about travel, but I will say that every day it changes. Every day, as the numbers change, the travel could change as well. But I, I believe that the golden rule is quarantine. Before you travel, quarantine. And the, there's no law that says you have to quarantine 14 days before traveling. But if you're going to get on an enclosed box, you should quarantine for 14 days beforehand to ensure that you do not have the virus. You should test 72 hours before getting in that enclosed box. You should then land at that other place, like countries that Australia, 56 days, no new COVID cases. Canada are mandating you have to quarantine for 14 days upon entry. You then, then after the 14 days, with a clean COVID test, you can go out in the world. And then guess what, people? We're going to do it all the way back again on the back end. And that really is like the, the best practice. But what we're talking about to ship someone on best practice in that scenario, what they're doing in other countries, we're talking about two months. It is a two-month process. It is two weeks before traveling, quarantining, getting on a plane, going to LA, New York to LA, being in LA for two weeks before actually working. Okay, so now it's been a month. Then you shoot. And now, because you've been out in the world and you're again about to get on an enclosed box, best practice would be quarantine again to then come back. Unfortunately, or fortunately, what states are saying is we understand that some travel is necessary. So um, with that travel that's necessary to make travel even an option, New York State, for example, um, before coming into New York State, you have to test in your home state 72 hours before getting on the plane. You have to quarantine upon entering our state. And on the fourth day of quarantine, you have an opt-out. If on the fourth day of quarantine with your negative before coming into the state, you can get another test that says that you're negative. You now can go about your, your work and you're free to walk around. However, the virus takes two to 14 days to show up in an RT-PCR test, in the deep nasal pharyngeal swab test. So technically, if you had your second test on day four, which is now the 10th day since you first tested before you left, you could still two days later get COVID and you don't know if you got that on the plane or got it before you actually were like tested before you left town. It's really dark, Linda. It's really dark. That's true. What would Fauci do, people? Exactly. If what you would don't Fauci travel, do? Just don't. Really, you are saving your life yeah. and many others as well. And I think that one of the silver linings of this pandemic is working remotely, uh, for better or for worse. I think it's amazing that you now are really forced to look outside of what you already know. It's a really great opportunity to work with photographers that are not local to you. Um, and taking advantage of people who could have, well, not taking advantage, but, you know, being able to enjoy someone's backyard if you need to have a shoot or if they're out and have more space. Um, it's really awesome just to see what else is out there um, and explore different talent. And, and with that, I will also say this. 
I, I really feel that if you do choose to travel, get on that plane safe. You should have some wipes with you. Um, they don't have to be Clorox wipes. They could be some other form of hand sanitizer wipe. And you want to sanitize everything down in your seated area. That's, that's number one for when you get on the plane. Before you get on the plane, when you arrive at that airport, you should be wearing a KN95. You should be having eye protection. You should wear goggles or a face shield or safety glasses. You want to protect your eyes from any aerosols of anyone else, regardless if you are flying on a plane with a great HEPA filter, you want to take as many precautions as possible. Um, you do not eat on that plane. You do not drink on that plane. Uh, you keep yourself covered up and wash your hands and sanitize your hands as often as possible. If you are moving masks, you know, be, be smart about it. And I will say that, um, working with pure sets, we did have a client who had to travel to LA for a shoot and they were coming back around the Thanksgiving holiday and they were coming home straight to New York. They were going to quarantine and they got to the airport the Sunday before Thanksgiving and they got back in their Uber and they went back to their hotel and they checked in and they said, I will now, I'm not traveling. Um, the airport was way too crazy and I did not feel safe. And they were lucky. They were the producer. They had the money in their budget for them to stay longer. But it is, it's important to have a game plan and to have a backup game plan. Like know yourself, feel safe in the environment. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, the five best practices, right? Everyone knows about distancing, six feet. So it's keeping the eyes on six feet, right? We know about PPE, but specifically, let's make sure we have clean PPE and PPE appropriate to the task at hand, right? So if a talent's unmasked, that everyone who's on set has eye protection, um, sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. That's washing your hands. That's sanitizing high touch points. That's um, 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 Purell and the like. Um, testing. Um, and I think for me, the next one is, uh, it's not really a COVID rule, but it's a little bit of patience and understanding because things are different now. So we have to be tolerant that crew is gonna get exhausted. We have to be, as, as producers, we have to understand that we can't work at the frenetic pace that we were doing before because it's so much, it's, there's so much more at stake. Um, and uh, with that, I always just put someone that I love in the situation. Like, who do you love most in the world? And put them in that situation. And the answer is, oh, hell no, I wouldn't do that then we probably shouldn't be doing it. I agree with all of those points. I think those are excellent best practices. I would say that an additional one would just be, obviously as a producer, I'm saying this, but being prepared, having a plan, but not just having your plan, sharing it with everyone that will be on set. Have that plan, have a backup plan and backup plan. Like that's just what we do as producers but make it very transparent. Don't come up with anything that would question or alarm anyone when they get the call sheet. By the time they get the call sheet, 
Everyone should know what to, is expected of them and what to expect when they're on set. I like to give more information. If I'm giving it to you and you don't want to read it, like you don't want to see the floor plan and how things are going. But for some people, it will give them peace of mind and make them feel at ease when they're coming to the set. So I think being as transparent as a producer, but also gaining the trust so that way everyone else can be transparent with you as well. Like you want them to be able to feel comfortable on set, to come up to you and call out a concern without feeling like it's their fault or they should feel bad or guilty or whatever. This is new for everyone. It's not like there was a time that we all learned how to shoot during a pandemic and we're like, oh, let me dig that out of my high school notes. No, we are all learning this. We're all trying to do what's best for everyone. And like you said, yes, put someone that you love in that position. Put yourself in that position. Why would you create additional stress? You shouldn't. Yeah. No, you shouldn't. And... And like, I, I like to tell, especially when working with pure sets and with, with productions coming to us with, you know, how do we approach this, especially with a um, celebrity. I really like to point out that COVID mitigation is not dictated by your paycheck. I don't care if you're the PA or if you're the messenger picking up, you know, um, a, 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 the delivery of wardrobe or props, or if you are the celebrity talent, or if you're the most famous photographer in the world, COVID doesn't see, see your, your paycheck. It will come and hit you. So everyone plays by the same rules. Um, it's important, you know, and then, then if we all go into it and that there are Look, the only special allowance is that when talent is getting through the works or on set, most likely you're not shooting them in a mask, unless that is the photo shoot. So other than that, PPE up, motherfuckers. Oh, I can't say that. Other than that, PPE up. It's, that's the way it is, and we all have to play by it. The CDC did not give you a special dispensation. The CDC did not give you a special dispensation because um, you are a celebrity. Although I will say, I would really love to Tom Cruise it on some sets. Um, his tirade of yelling at people, of masking up, or whatever they were doing COVID bad. I've been really I dying to do felt that. For a long that. Time. I did crying. not. This was not the year I thought I would agree with Tom Cruise. But when I heard that, I thought, yes, yes. Let me just play that recording. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go on to set and be like, uh, don't make me Tom Cruise your ass. Do not. <laughs> we should all take this seriously. As much as that, that was funny. He was right. He was 100% right. It's not. And, and, and here's the, what's, what was really great about it. He's the top down. We have to lead by example as we move forward. And he was leading by example, and he was saying, I will not tolerate it. It is unacceptable for you to put anyone else on this set in harm's way and not adhering to the rules and taking this seriously. We are setting a course and a path, and we all have to stand up to the, we, we all have to stand up to the same rules and guidelines. And I applaud him for that because it's true. It really, it really is. is. Um, I get it. We all have fatigue. And honestly, when you're on set 10, 12, whatever hours a day, although if you really can, I would highly suggest trying to limit your hours that you have on set as much as 
uh, people may be okay with overtime in general, limiting how long you're exposed to people or whatever situation you're creating for the shoot, I would recommend keeping it to the 10 hour day. If you, if you can really push for that. Agreed. The thing is, I get it when you're on set for 10 hours a day and you are with other people, if you're not always socializing with people, it's like a wonderfully welcoming feeling and you want to, and then you'll just get used to it. And then you'll start taking your mask off and talking. Just don't, this is a very serious pandemic and it is getting worse. And like Tom Cruise said, and like we've been saying, we don't want the reason for this industry to shut down be because we are not taking care of ourselves and each other. Exactly. Um, and I will say there's a, there is one part of COVID that I'm really enjoying. Um, looking in Los Angeles, you can actually go and eat outside because of the weather. But right now in New York, you can't. So now we're eating inside. And then you have to look at ventilation, right? And what is the filtration system that they're using? And it's not always the best place to unmask. So I always try on our, our shoots and on, on my jobs and then the jobs that Pure Sets does in New York to advise, no talking during lunch. And it is delightful. It's amazing that I can sit down for 30 minutes, maybe it's 15, I'll even just take 10, where I have my mask off and no one can come up and ask for something. And I can just eat and actually chew my food while it's still hot. You, you can't talk to somebody while they're eating. Even if you're six feet away, just let them eat. Take a personal moment. Let's give a little humanity back to our, our industry. And uh, I definitely hope that that's one thing we take on post-COVID, in a post-COVID world. This has been really informative. And I feel like I've learned so much already from you both. I guess if there's a takeaway, what would be one pro and one con of doing a photo shoot in person right now, as opposed to just doing all of the shoots virtual? A pro of being on set right now is that it will probably want be one of the safer environments you will be in during this pandemic. Safer than your grocery store, hopefully. Ideally, it should be. I think that is a huge pro. I mean, personally, I won't step on a set that isn't following COVID compliance and has a testing requirement. So when I do have to attend a shoot in person, Knowing that everyone has been tested and they're all required to wear full PPE, I mean, I don't have to worry about a nose hanging out all day because someone doesn't understand how to wear a mask properly. <laughs> I feel a thousand times safer than even going to my grocery store. And that makes me comfortable. And then I can focus on just doing my job. I mean, I love, love, love being on set. And I really missed it for those months where I wasn't. But I really only feel comfortable if it's a COVID compliance set and a client that really cares about safety. Yeah, you should feel much safer being on set now, having all this information. We've had time to understand how this pandemic works. It's airborne. We can wipe down surfaces. We use masks. Masks are effective. So you should feel safer on set. And that's a huge pro. I think also, like I mentioned, having a game plan, just having a schedule now, like everything is a little bit more organized What's great is, is that a lot of times in the past, you would show up to set and you knew what you were shooting or what the product was, but you didn't necessarily know what the flow of the day was going to be. And you were yeah. just going to sort of go with it. And now you now have you know. a little bit more of a plan. You've heard 
you know, hey, you're going to get there. We're going to temperature check you. You have to wash your hands. You're going to work in this area on the stage. You can only walk in this pattern. And everyone, like, I, I think as a crew member, when you come to set now, you on a lot of jobs, you feel that you're a little bit more prepared and in the know. Now you can show up on set and feel a little bit more prepared. I mean, for me, the pros and cons of shooting today are, um, the pro, it means that the industry is back, right? That there are more people working, um, entertainment, uh, in any format, whether it's live action or stills, like we all got hit really hard because um, it's such an integrated art form of from photographer to art directors to assistants. Like there's a lot of people that get it, are into it. And, and um, it was hit hard. So it's nice. The pro is, is that, okay, people are working again. The con, not every job has the allocated money in the budget to make it to happen in the right way. Um, but as we continue to move forward, maybe more will. I think a con is that a lot of people have a fear that because we found solutions that require less people or less travel or anything that it has taken away from us, that it sets a precedent that we don't need it. Yeah, I mean, that. I, you mean like that, oh, well, now we're never going to have these big jobs again. Uh Yeah, I understand that point, but I do think that people are just itching and waiting for it to come back, that this is, uh, right now, this is the Band-Aid of this is how we're doing it right now, because that's what it takes to actually be working, to be out in the public. And I do think that certain positions that may have temporarily gone away or um, larger jobs that um, require more people on set will come back. Um, just not right now, um, which is actually um, is a very good segue into <laughs> um, what we, we talked about the other day, uh, work itself yeah. and the jobs I mean, that are out there. Right. Like, I don't mean to be pessimistic, but I just want to be very realistic because I know that while we've been very fortunate to be working during the pandemic, The reality is that there are so many people who have not worked or worked as much or have been paid less, and it's very discouraging. But I hope that um, in educating ourselves and learning more about the pandemic and how we're working around it and how we still need content, I just want to say that it's okay if you're not working right now. It's going to be okay. It's also okay to say no to a job. It's okay if you're scared or if you don't know, but I think knowing more, educating yourself can help you prepare for when you will have those opportunities. And it's okay if you need to take a step back and see what everyone else is doing and trying to figure out how you can integrate that into your workflow and how you work and how you do virtual shoots. Um, it's It's a hard time for a lot of us. It's a hard time for a lot of people. And that's the reality. I mean, I really hope that there aren't people out there that are taking the job just because it's going to be a paycheck and they need that paycheck paycheck in order to get to the end of the month. Um, I really hope that 
they're asking the questions and you have the right to ask the questions. What are your COVID protocols? What, how are you going to ensure that it's a safer set? And ask. Um, the people who you ask those questions to, who open and engage in a dialogue with you about what they want to do, that's who you want to work for right now. Because they're going to put your health and your safety, as well as theirs, in the forefront of, of what you're doing. You really don't want to work with someone who turns around like, it's just XYZ job. It's the same as before. Because we, we need to be smarter than just working with a mask. So say no if, if you don't feel safe. Ask the questions. You have the right. Um, you have the right to, to say, oh, I respectfully decline. Keep it in the back of your, your, your head. And you're right. Not everyone's working. So it's okay. We'll get there. We'll all get there. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I what I can't wait for 2021 is maybe it's 2022. I want a travel job again. I want an international travel job to go to a city that I haven't been to, where I see the inside of my hotel room, um, the first class lounge for the ticket, because that's the only like beautiful thing. And then I see some part of like some new set. But like I, I actually am like I, I want a travel job again. I miss, I, I miss an, a big international travel job, and I don't foresee that in 2021. But maybe 2022. That would be awesome. Um, hell, I'll take 2021 feeling safe to fly oh, yes. to California. <laughs> I think if everyone gets on board with wearing their masks, social distancing, following all of the guidelines, and just being smart and following the science. I think bigger productions and travel shoots will be back on our calendars. I'm hanging on to this belief and willing it to happen because it, it just needs to happen. Yeah. And honestly, just yeah. keeping our industry alive. If you have jobs for photographers, I also want to discourage taking advantage of this moment where people might be desperate for work and underpaying. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real shitty, it's a real shitty thing to actually try to underpay. I'll be honest with you. Um, I pay my assistants hazard pay, especially if they have to do pickups. I pay them hazard pay. They're actually getting paid more now Bravo. than they were getting paid before because one, I want them to feel safe. Um, two, I need to trust that they are not at any outdoor dining with 15 of their friends unmasked having beers on the weekend. Um, and I think that it, it is a necessary um, support to make uh, productions happen. Um, We're all in this together. We are all in this together. Um, we all want this industry to survive. We want this country to survive. So I think if we all just look out for ourselves, look out for each other, um, we'll come out together. This industry isn't going to die. It's not going to die. <laughs> And it is not dead. No, it, it just, it might, right. And it's not dead. It's just slowing down. It's changing. It's morphing. Things will pick back up. There's always ebbs and flows. Um, yeah. It just won't go There's back to what it was. It'll go into a new normal. But maybe it'll be a better new normal. Oh, maybe cleaner. it'll be a little bit safer. Maybe people will... Yeah, it'll be cleaner. Maybe it will be an industry where 
you don't just say yes because someone calls you and says, are you available on Tuesday? I've got a job. I've got a shoot coming up. That you actually take a moment and ask, well, what's that project? That we're no longer like trying to bookend job to job to job to job. That we're engaging, finding out about the project, making an educated decision to say yes or to say no. And then when the project's over, taking some personal time, having some quality of life. Because the truth is, when we were all, especially in New York, when we were on lockdown, you didn't have a choice but to have quality of life. You were cooking your own food. You were staying home with whomever was in that bubble if you were lucky enough to have a significant other or a family you were living with. Like you you had this very um, 1980s childhood without just going outside and playing by yourself, right, for a couple of hours. It was very, it was, it was very quaint. And I think that uh, it's a really great lesson to have taken out from the pandemic that we don't have to work ourselves to the bone. We could work, we could do with less and then yes, enjoy living. Taking care of yourself is now a good priority and having empathy for others. Some good lessons coming out of this. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk with me today. You've provided us with an immense amount of information. I feel like our listeners have picked up a lot of good tips on how to produce a COVID compliance safe shoot. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. us I love this talk. (laughs) I love nerding out about safety. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 